Hey everyone, welcome back to Sprouting Minds. This week's guest is Charity Elise. Charity is the author of Other Side of the Tracks, which debuts in November 2022. We talk about the importance of her story and how she got into writing and her very cool bucket list. I hope you guys really enjoy the episode. I hope after you listen to the episode, you go check out her book. You can pre-order it now. And then if you find the book interesting and you know other people that will too, please send it to them. As always, everything is in the show notes and I hope you enjoy my conversation with Charity. Hi, Charity. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited to meet with you. I looked at your book before when I first reached out to you and I I did a refresher this past week. And before we talk about your book, I want to highlight you because behind every book, there's an author. And I I want to talk about you for a minute. I know that you have your bachelor's degree. I believe you're in school for clinical mental health. Clinical mental health therapy. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So (laughs) tell me how you got into literature and mental health. (laughs) Yeah, sure. I know it's a lot. Um, I got into literature, I guess, ever since I was a little girl, I've loved books and I've loved stories. And so I actually wrote my first book, which basically is notebook paper bound with string, um, but the hole puncher (laughs) when I was five years old. And what I would do is I would write retellings of like, you know, fairy tales like Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty, but I would put like black characters at the center because at that time I wasn't seeing any princesses that looked like me. So the princess had braids and the princesses had dreadlocks. And I would write stories about that and I would give them to my mom. And, you know, not everybody likes, you know, for children to rewrite their favorite, you know, fairy tale classics with characters that look a little different. So I started running into some issues and every writer will know, like there's always rejection. There's always, um, you know, people that aren't really going to like your writing. And it's crazy that it starts as young as five years old or six years old. But my kindergarten teacher was the first person to tell me that I would never be a writer. Yeah. (laughs) And so that was the first experience that I had with rejection and writing's not for the faint of heart. Um, Down the road, I I had stopped writing for a little bit, but I started writing again when I was um, homeschooled in the fifth grade. I was homeschooled because I was experiencing some bullying at school. And so I wrote about my experience. My mom was like, you know, you used to write so much when you were a little girl and it brought you joy. So how about you just write for little girls that are being bullied? And so I started writing and um, that was my second book. And that was just in like this lime green notebook. So I wrote about that there and it just, it was like writing was my best friend, creating these worlds and these characters and being able to tell these stories and just let my imagination fly was the best thing. So fast forward to college, I was in a creative writing course and we had to write a 10 page story for young adults. Um, We could write about anything that we wanted. And during that time, Um, the Black Lives Matter movement was just really at the forefront of media. And I was kind of trying to figure out how I fit into that because there I was, one of the only Black women in my school, my university, and the only Black woman in my class. So we were actually like having these talks about, you know, the news the first five minutes of, of school. And the room was very divided. The opinions were very divided. And I was like, 
so it's hard for me to kind of share my opinion when I'm in class with these people, but at home, I'm like bold. I'm like marching around protesting in my room. So I was in between these two worlds and I was like, okay, so writing has always helped me. Like it's always been kind of therapeutic. So I actually wrote my 10 page um, short story, which would turn out to be other side of the tracks um, in class. And then when everyone had to read it and have discussion about it, everyone was crying. People were like, this broke my heart. This causes me to like think differently. This is causing me to change my opinion on everything. And my professor said, Charity, you need to turn this into a book. And she's like, if you need to drop out of college, like to write this book, do it. And my mother didn't let me drop out of school, but I did did write this. This was like my, my night job. So I started punching out other side of the tracks. And when I finished and it was a whole book, um, you know, the next step for traditionally published authors is to query and try to get agents. And so I queried over 200 times, 234 to be exact. And I got, yeah, I I got 234 no's. Wow. No, I was like, okay, so I got my first no when I was six years old and now I'm getting so many right now. And I don't know, it's just the story, like it would not let me forget. And I ended up um, finally getting an agent, I guess, two years after I graduated from school. And right away, uh, we went to auction um, on submission. Two of the like big five publishers were kind of fighting over this book and we ended up going with Simon & Schuster, which is a dream come true. And all during that time, you know, I'm experiencing my own kind of questions and things and then finding that like therapy and writing. I'm like, I would love to just be able to um, help people realize the power of their words and the power of a pen and how, you know, you may have these thoughts and these questions, but it can, you know, writing can help you. Creating these characters in these worlds can help you get through your trauma. It can help you get through these questionings that you have. And so I picked up clinical mental health therapy along the way. So that's kind of how I got here. (laughs) (laughs) That's, I mean, what a story also. I always talk, I was a preschool teacher and I always talk about, it takes one teacher to break you. It takes one teacher to make you. And to be told at such a young age, your writing doesn't matter when all we want are for kids to tell stories, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever's on your mind, just speak it. Freedom of speech, like, it, whatever it is, let that creativity flow. And to be told no at such a young age, I, I can't imagine how long you carry that with you and the effect it had. And I'm so grateful that you made a turn and you got back into writing because mm-hmm. other side of the track, I mean, I was reading the synopsis, which I'm going to let you share the synopsis. But before we get to the book, <laughs> It's an incredible story of also you just not giving up. Rejection sucks. It's mm-hmm. so hard to be told the passion that you have, it's not important to this person. They don't see it for whatever reason. And so I'm so grateful that you stuck with it. And now let's talk about this book. Give, give us like your, your synopsis that you would tell anyone. Sure. So I'm going to try to make it really short because another thing about writers is we can talk about our books for years and I know we don't have years. So um, other side of the tracks, like I said, it's a book of my heart. It's a young adult contemporary novel, um, which anyone can read it. You don't have to be a young adult to read it. I say that it's for ages nine to 90. So there's that. (laughs) 
but it tells the story of a racially divided town separated by train tracks. And when black blood is spilled on the white side of town, both erupt into an all out war zone with our three main characters, Zachary and Justin, who live on either side of the tracks caught in the middle. It's a story of forbidden romance. It's kind of like Romeo and Juliet, but interracial. <laughs> yeah. Um, these two star-crossed lovers from, other, from either side of the tracks, they're trying to figure out how they can be together, even though their towns have historically had this rule, don't cross to the other side or else. And then it also tells the story of um, another boy who's, you know, on the, I guess, black side of town, which it's called Hamilton. And he's kind of working through, you know, figuring out how he can get out. So yeah, it's about interracial love, there's black romance, there's um, dream chasing, there's, um, you know, these three teens that are really trying to like realize and figure out who they are and how they fit into the world around them, but most importantly, how they can get out of where they are. So that's the first time I've ever like, I guess, explained it to someone. This is the first podcast I've ever been on. So I hope I did a good job. I don't know. (laughs) That was no, that was perfect. And I, it's what saddens me because I was thinking about it before talking to you. And what's so sad is that it's such a realistic story. In 2022, the topics that you're touching on, the, the, I don't want to give away what happens. I've read the synopsis, but I want people to go on your website and really read everything and pre-order this book because it's not out yet. But it's sad because it's still what we're dealing with. Like, I, it's just um, so heartbreaking that the story of young love and the diversity and the not accepting who we are and letting everyone be. It, it's just so sad that in 2022, this book is still so important and in the future, it will be too. Hopefully, we're not going to be where we are. Right, right. But it's still going to be so important to say, like, this is the reality. Like, the situations that you touch on are happening in our everyday life. You know, it's you're not making things up here. No, it's fiction, <laughs> but it's nonfiction at the same time. And it it is. It's it's kind of crazy. Um, something that my agent and my editor said when they read the book. They're like, the book feels like it takes place. Um, during like the time of segregation, but it takes place in 2022. So they're like, it's just so weird that we're seeing that, you know, a lot has changed in the grand scheme of things like technology and media and things like that and how we receive it. But a lot of the problems that those before us have fought for um, and tried to change are still something that's so you know, that's still here. And like you said, I mean, there's still, even though segregation is against the law, there's still a sense of segregation when it comes to class and when it comes to, you know, areas, right. Where it's like, okay, everyone knows this is the other side of the tracks. That's, that's the part of town that we don't go to because it's more dangerous or because the people there, we don't really like them. And it is, I mean, while, while writing it, it was so weird. Um, we actually sold during the time when, you know, um, you know, Breonna Taylor lost her life and George Floyd was murdered. Um, And it was just, it was so strange editing this book and talking and, you know, writing about protests and things um, and seeing it in media at the same time. It was like, oh my gosh, like I wrote this almost seven years ago and it's still like so important to this day. It's crazy. 
<laughs> yeah, I. it's just like one of those things that I don't fully get. Like, I, I don't think I'll ever fully understand the world that we live in and the things that are still happening to this day. Mm-hmm. And I, I think about how you said it's for children like nine to like 90. And it's true because I have friends like I, I know a lot of young kids, too, who are 10 and they're reading Harry Potter. And I love Harry Potter. But this is also a book that like they can read and younger children like I'm thinking of all these high schoolers and the middle schoolers and how I always say kids aren't born racist they don't understand you know the difference in classes we grow up with what we have and we we assume that's the life right we assume that's what we need and we have the opportunity to educate these children at such a young age and teach them this is not acceptable right, right. we can make this world a better world we have to work for it and mm-hmm. it might not always be fun and we might have to have hard conversations, but we can make it better. And mm-hmm. instead, we're kind of just still teetering on this, like, hmm, do we want to make it better? Hmm, do we want to work for it? And I'm thinking yeah. about how how to get this book in other schools. And like, have you thought about, I know it's not out yet. It's going to debut in the fall of 2022. Yeah. November 22nd, November 24th, I believe. No, November 22nd. I'm sorry. My, my date (laughs) keeps changing. So I'm like, when, when is it happening with shipping and COVID and everything? The factories are kind of going crazy, but it's November 22nd. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So November 22nd, have you thought about talking in schools? You live in Jersey, right? Yeah. I live in New Jersey. So I have. Um, I definitely made it clear to my agent that that's something that I really want to do. I definitely want to um, speak at schools and I want to, like you said, kind of like educate everyone on what's going on and be like, you're the next generation. You can definitely make a change. Um, I know that's really important to my publisher as well. So um, I can't share too much, but we are talking about how to get in into schools and things. <laughs> um, but if you are an educator, please reach out to me because I do want to be able to offer educators um, advanced reader copies of this book so that they can read it and see if it's right for their class and, you know, talk to whoever they need to talk to about getting the book in their schools. So. Yeah, great. I know a lot of educators that are at different levels in the education field, whether it's like high school or college. So I'm definitely going to send this to them because I think that it's important that these young kids are reading these books and having these discussions at a young age. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, unfortunately, by the time they get older, things are just instilled in their brains and it's harder to make that shift. And I think if we touch on them at a very young age, they have the opportunity to look around and say, oh, yeah, wait, that isn't fair. Why are we doing it this way? Like, why aren't we being those change makers? So Mm -hmm. I think that it's incredible work that you've put out. I think that you're an inspiration and The last thing that I want to touch on is I read that you have a bucket list. I do have a bucket list. Yes. Talk to me about this bucket list. When did it start? What, what are a few things on it? Cause I know one thing is an Afro punk band. I love punk rock music. Um, My favorite pastime. I love going to like dive bars and, you know, watching bands play and different things like that. So the bucket list actually started when I was a teenager and I was actually read a book where a girl was just living at her bucket list over the summer. And I was like, Oh, that's something that I should do. So I wrote it. And yes, being the lead singer of an Afro punk band 
is one of the top things on my bucket list. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, publishing a book was, traveling around the world was, I got to go to Australia. So that was really fun. I got to um, hang out with albino kangaroos, which I didn't even know was a thing. But I didn't know that. Crazy, right? Yeah. <laughs> they're amazing. So there are some things that I have completed and some things I've yet to complete. So. All right. I think that's so smart. I I have a friend who is 10. He's my cousin. And he asked me the other day, I picked him up from school and he's like, what's one thing that you want to do before you die? And I was like, I don't know. I just got you from the bus. Like that's not, <laughs> not on my thought process right now. <laughs> and he's like listed a few things and I was like, okay. So I'm thinking about this bucket list and I'm like, oh, that's so smart to just have a list of things that you just want to achieve. And writing a book is on it and check that off because this book is going to go far. I'm really excited to, to read it. And I can't thank you enough for coming on. I'm glad this was your first podcast. I hope it was relaxing. (laughs) Amazing. It was so relaxing. I was so nervous and I was getting ready. Like, I hope I don't trip over my words, but you made it very comfortable. So thank you. (laughs) Well, you, you have a very nice way of speaking and clearly this is a passion of yours and I'm, I'm excited for November 22nd and everything that you have sent me with your website, TikTok, Instagram, everything will go in the show notes and hopefully uh, we can get those pre-order sales high yes. up. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Thank you so much for having me. I had such of a good course. time. All right. Well, have a great day. And if you ever, I live in Queens. So if you're ever close by, let me know. I'd love to meet you. Oh my gosh, I will definitely look you up. Thank you. Of course. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 